2: Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps
3: with Steven Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Today, you'll meet one of the entertainers that makes Vegas so much fun. His nickname is Lefty and his specialty is magic. Lefty will share the life and times of a Vegas magician today. Next, have you ever thought about becoming a pro wrestler? As with all sports, you need to find a place where you can not only learn the fine points of the sport, but also can develop your reputation. Well, the place to go is right here in Vegas. And later in the show, you'll learn all about it. It's called The Future Stars of Wrestling, and you'll meet the man who runs the program, Joe DeFalco. Let's go. Douglas, or we'll call him Doug, Lefty, which most people know him as, Lefrovich. You've seen him, I'm sure. This guy is fantastic. He's done some great street stuff. He's also uh, done some things with our buddy Murray Sawchuck. He is the uh, host of Late Night Magic, which you have to see. It's at the Alexis Park. We're excited about that. Friday, Saturday, and Sundays at 11 o'clock. Lefty, uh, this is exciting. You call it Vegas' adults-only magic show. So what's adults-only about this show?
4: Uh, what's adults-only is is there's no kids there. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like so many magic shows in town uh, cater that are family-friendly, which I think is wonderful to have options. We wanted to create something that was for adults-only, so the material could be a little bit racier, it could be a little bit more adult theme, and the magic can be a little bit edgier, a little bit more in-your-face as opposed to all the other family-friendly magic shows in town.
3: Well, yeah, I think that's great, too, because I think it's nice to have that little mix, and sometimes you want to see a show where you don't bring your kids, and your kids shouldn't be up at 11 o'clock at night anyway watching this, right?
4: Well, also, I think it's another opportunity for people to see something different late at night. You know, right now, it seems like if you don't go to a nightclub, you can either see a topless female review or you can go to a comedy club. So I think we enter into that space and provide opportunities for people to see something different.
3: I love your stuff. You do some great card things and, you know, people hear card things and they get bored with it. But I have looked and you guys can all check that out on YouTube. He's all over YouTube. There's some great things there uh, that are just kind of it's that interaction. I I, got to feel like this through this pandemic, it must have been tough for you, right? Not to be able to do that because so much of what you do is that interaction and kind of get that trust of the person you're working with and so forth.
4: Absolutely. And as a live entertainer, we feed off the immediate gratification of the audience. You know, I always tell people when you create a new routine, it's not whether or not I think the routine is good, it's whether or not the audience thinks something is good. You know, I've been lucky enough to be the guest act in Murder, The Magician Show for the last 10 years from Tropicana to Planet Hollywood to back to the Tropicana. There's times where we've come up with an idea, we've worked on it, and we think it's going to be amazing, and then we do it. And it gets an okay reaction from the audience. And then we put in a bit that we think will be okay, and it winds up getting a great reaction. And then we're smart enough to know, let's build on that and make that routine longer and better because it's what the audience likes. So I like the fact that the audience is the judge and jury. When their reaction is great, then we know we've hit the mark.
3: Like I say, you enjoy working with, with the audience and so forth. Like I love the stuff you do out on the street, I, I got to say, because I think there it must be particularly tough, because there, people aren't excited, they didn't pay to see you and all that stuff, so they're kind of looking at you like, who is this guy? And yet, you seem to be comfortable in those situations, and I always think that's kind of a challenge, because you don't know what's going to happen there.
4: Absolutely, and I also think that the magic is more real, as opposed to in the confines of a theater, where... There's smoke, and there's lights, and there's curtains, and people are sitting further away. What I like about the street magic is we're out in broad daylight. There's people next to you. There's people in front of you. There's sometimes even people behind you. So the conditions are very, very challenging, and you really are on the spot to do some amazing magic for these people.
3: You know, when you do your show, do you have a certain period of time in the beginning where you kind of got to get them to buy in because there's a certain amount of people that just love magic they go see magic shows they they're enchanted by and then there's always those people that kind of tag along that really ah this stuff's all garbage we don't want to see it and yet there's a point where you kind of win them over where they're like wow (laughs) is is that kind of what you're always shooting for the how do i get them to where all of a sudden they realize i can't figure this out this guy is really good
4: Well, I I think the goal at this point in my career is not necessarily to fool the people. It's to entertain the people. Uh, If a byproduct of what I do is fooling them, that's great. But my goal is to entertain them. You know, so many times when people say to me, how do you do do the trick? How do you do the trick? And it's a close friend. And I wind up saying, okay, I'll tell you how the trick is done. When I tell them how the trick is done, they're like, oh, that's it? (laughs) So many times when people think about how a trick is done, their imagination is so much wilder than the actual way the trick is done. But, you know, for example, in Late Night Magic, because we have myself and four other great magicians who specialize in each of their categories, I like the fact that the show keeps moving. So if the first act comes out and does freak show stuff and that's not your thing, great. After 10 minutes, another act comes out, does silent manipulation. If that's not your thing, great. And someone comes out and does mentalism and mind reading. So the show has a fast pace, and because there's a variety of performers, I don't think anyone ever gets bored.
3: Yeah, I love that idea. Well, tell us who was all on there besides yourself, because I like that idea of the in-and-out thing, There's something for everybody, and you kind of get caught up with it, and it's kind of fun to sit there and compare. Well, I really like this. On the other hand, this one surprised me, and so forth.
4: So right now, the current rotation is I get to host the show. I also do my signature card manipulation act, in the show and I also tell a couple dirty jokes because it is late night magic Uh, the first act in the show is a gentleman by the name of John Shaw he specializes in sideshow freak show things where he'll take a drill and put a drill in his nose Um, he does all these crazy sideshow things and different than the magic you see in the show everything he does is real there's actually no trick to what he does he does everything with his physical ability we have another magician in the show called Bizarro and all the magician all the magic he does, he actually creates, which is very unique in our business. But it's all visual, sleight of hand, cool manipulation to music. We have a female magician named Anna Rose, and she combines mentalism, magic, and hypnosis, and it's very interactive with the audience. So Sometimes she'll call on a specific person. Sometimes she'll do a bit on stage that everyone in the audience can participate with. We also have a phenomenal dove magician who produces birds out of thin air named Bondre And then we also have an act from the U.K. Her name is Holly England, and she does sleight of hand and illusions.
3: Very cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. I want to know you as a, somebody who's been doing this since you were a little kid, actually. How do you keep working on your craft? Because it isn't like you learn 10 different illusions and you do the same 10 illusions the rest of your career. Are you always looking for things or how does that work? Yeah, always looking for new bits, always looking to refine things, to
4: change them, to get them better. And like I said previously, I think a lot of it has to do with how does it get dictated by the audience, by the audience's reaction. You know, sometimes I'll put together a three-minute piece and one part we'll get a great reaction, and then I wind up taking that part and building upon it to make it the whole three minutes, if that makes sense.
3: Back with more from magician Douglas Lefty Lefrovich in just a moment. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas. But by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. The lobby, in fact, is a restored shell from the old La Concha Motel. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. really unique Las Vegas experience. So you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. <laughs> Are you being
2: audited? And do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The tax doctor is here to help you negotiate a lower tax bill. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts, but you can stop these IRS actions. The tax doctor will fight for you using industry secrets that can stop any IRS actions eliminate penalties and interest and reduce your past tax bill so you pay the irs less if you owe ten thousand dollars or more in back taxes call the tax doctor now for a free irs audit emergency review
0: call 800-515-4956 that's 800-515-4956 again 800-515-4956 that's 800-515-4956 if you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Again, 800-273-2295. That's
2: 800-273-2295. Now, let's return to Vegas Never
3: Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Douglas Lefty Lefervich, who appears at the Alexis Park Resort. I think a lot of people don't realize that the tricks are great, you know, and so forth. But there is is an art to the entertainment side of it. It has to be, just like in the way some people that can do good impressions, that's all great. But if you don't have good material, it's kind of the same thing. Things can die off. So you're constantly, I guess, always looking for that. And you respond, you say off uh, what the audiences tell you, how they kind of, You keep uh, kind of polishing it as you go along.
4: Well, the tricky thing is that, uh, and this is an example I use often, when a musician plays a hard piece of music, they can look at their instrument, they can be sweating, they can look very intense. In magic, it is the complete opposite. The harder it is for me to do something, the easier I have to make it look. If I make a girl levitate and I am visibly sweating and struggling, that's not what you want to see.
3: Right. <laughs> if it's
4: hard to make the girl levitate, which it is, I have to make it look carefree and easy. And I think sometimes you know people get frustrated as an audience because time and time again, I'm doing something that you can't explain. And as a magician, you walk a very fine line of being confident and cocky because what you're doing, someone can't comprehend. They can't figure out what you're doing. You're going in knowing I'm not going to be able to figure out everything this person does.
3: What you said is interesting. So you don't want to be too cocky because then the audience kind of turns on you, right? They they don't want that. They They don't want this idea that I know something, you don't, and that's the whole point of this.
4: Right, and I think, you know, someone like Murray the Magician does a great job with that where he sometimes lets people in on the gag. Like he knows, hey, I look silly. My hair looks ridiculous. Look at what I'm wearing. Hey, wink, wink! I'm here just up having fun. I think when a magician takes themselves too seriously and really thinks they can do magic, that's when stuff goes sideways.
3: And I guess the whole art of magic and so forth—you know, back from the days of the Ed Sullivan Show, maybe you grew up with, and people uh, remember seeing a pull rabbit out of your hat and all that kind of stuff. And now, you know, people think of Penn and Teller and those type of acts. They kind of want more from it. I mean, it's more, more of a demanding audience, right? We want more entertainment than just simply a, wow, that was incredible. They, they want more than that.
4: Yes, and I also think, like, you know, we're always trying as magicians to stay ahead of science and to stay ahead of technology. You know, the, I tell people, you know, just like mathematics, there's only a certain amount of principles in magic, like in math. You know, there could be very complex math, but it boils down to a certain amount of principles, So magic, we are constantly trying to figure out a way to reconfigure what you're seeing, even though there's only a certain amount of basic principles. And that could be adding technology, or it could be taking away technology and stripping it down and doing it something like street magic.
3: Comedy has become a really important part of magic, too, right? I mean, people want, want to laugh as well as be amazed. They, they also want to have some fun with it. And like you said before, you kind of like, like you don't want to have them see you sweat. It's kind of that same thing. You want people to just have fun with it.
4: Well, as I tell people, comedy is a natural reaction to something you see. You don't force yourself to laugh. You just laugh. If you see something funny on stage or on TV or in a movie, you laugh. Applause is a trained response. If you see a magician take a coin, put it in their hand, they open up their hand and it's gone, Mm -hmm. your reaction might be, oh my gosh. And then (laughs) you say, let me show respect to the performer and applaud for them. But that's something you have to think about, as opposed to if I say something funny, you just laugh. You don't think to yourself, that was funny. Now let me laugh. You just laugh.
3: Well, this is something you knew you wanted to do all your life. As I understand it, when you were four years old, it's kind of like when you started. Uh, is it just something where it clicks at that age and it's a matter of, I can get better at this? And it was it kind of the adoration the wrong word? But you know that idea where every, all the other kids are looking at you. It's a way to be cool as you're growing up.
4: Uh, I don't know if necessarily people think magicians <laughs> are cool. Uh, I know there was definitely a period in my life where uh, being a magician was not cool. Uh, I think for me it was something that I started doing with my dad and my brother, and it's something we did as a family. So we started out not as a career or to make money. It was something we did, uh, my brother and I, with my dad. So Mm. it was my grandmother's birthday. We would do a 10-minute show, and relatives would come over for Christmas one year, and we would do a 15-minute show. And then eventually, our neighbors contacted my mom and said, oh, you know, we know about the boys doing magic. Would they come over and do a show? So our first show, I think we got paid $35. My brother and I split it, and my dad made no money, even though he (laughs) bought all the tricks. So as a kid, it was not something that I did necessarily thinking I would do this for the rest of my life. It was more of a family bonding experience, and you know, my dad was a lawyer for many years, and we really looked at it like a business, and I learned a lot about you know, writing out a show order and cleaning my nails and dressing nice and being respectful to adults because the adults are the ones that are paying for the kid's birthday party. So if we did 25 tricks in a 45-minute birthday party, my dad and mom always said, we need to do two or three tricks that the kids get, but they're more related for the adults because the adults are the one that are paying for the party.
3: Right, right. So little
4: things like that as a kid, I don't think I necessarily understood, but as I got older, it really made sense. And then growing up in high school, that's the way my brother and I made money. So when my friends had jobs like bagging groceries or having a newspaper route, my brother and I would do you know anywhere from two to five shows a weekend, and that's how we made money. I mean, for me, when I was younger, magic always came easy because I was always very good at puzzles Mm -hmm. so when my dad would buy a new trick I would tell him don't tell me how the trick is done show it to me and let me try to figure it out and sometimes I would guess right and sometimes I would figure out a different method so it was a constant you know uh, learning process for me and then as I got older I went to college and it was something I enjoyed doing and then after college my parents were nice enough to say hey why don't you move to L.A. and give it a shot for a couple of years? And if it doesn't work out, then you can get a real job. <laughs> yeah. So I've been very fortunate. But like most entertainers, you know, it goes in waves. You know, right now I'm very fortunate, especially coming out of COVID, to be doing two shows in town. But there's times where I've gone, you know, six, eight months without work.
3: More with Douglas Lefty Lefrovich in a few moments. You ever read the book Portnoy's Complaint? Well, there's a portnoy in Las Vegas, and you won't have any complaints there. Some incredible artwork from the world of sports, entertainment, you name it, he can do it. Neil, what will people see when they visit the gallery?
2: Well, the the first word they're going to say, like everyone else, when they walk into the gallery is, wow. Um, I work with Magic Marcus. You're going to come here expecting to be here 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to kick you out two and a half hours
3: later. Well, in the meantime, then, if people want to see it before they come out here, where are you on the web?
2: Uh, www.idrawpeople.com. You can go to Portnoy Gallery. You can go to Facebook, which has Portnoy Gallery, Neil, N-E-A-L, my mother could never decide which came first, the E or the I, Neil Portnoy, uh, Portnoy Gallery, Instagram at Neil Portnoy on Twitter. Listen, I'm all over the place, which is probably in Vegas a very good thing.
3: And it's well worth your time. Thanks, Neil. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hey, I'm Michael Shapiro from Reckless in
0: Vegas, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
2: You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with
3: Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are chatting with Douglas Lefty Lefervich, who appears regularly with fellow magician Murray Sawchuk at the Tropicana Laugh Factory Comedy Club. One thing you said uh, where you kind of would... would tell your dad not to tell you exactly how it was done, try to figure it out. Is that kind of a way of exercising that part of the brain that makes that a little bit more understandable? I mean, once you get it like that, it kind of puts you in a different situation than the average person that doesn't really think about this stuff.
4: I absolutely agree with that. I think it's a challenge like a puzzle. You know, if someone teaches you how to do the puzzle, it doesn't, you know, exercise that part of the brain to figure out how it's done. And maybe you think of a different way to solve the puzzle than, you know, the actual way. So for me, it was always, you know, learning. And then once I learned how to do the trick, then I focused on the presentation, the story, and then how do I make it my own? So it's not just I'm performing a trick that I bought and I'm doing it the way the instructions told me. It's how do I make the trick
3: my own? What's the last part of that? Is it like once you get all that down and you're talking to people, then I guess you have to kind of know how to turn it on and off so you can be hired uh, not only in live performances, but if somebody wants to record you for video, that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, I think it's similar to your job. You know, you talk all the time, but you know as a host, you have to be able to turn it on. You have to be able to. As I'm answering a question, you have to be listening to the answer, but also thinking of your next question. Is it a new question? Is it a follow up question? So as an entertainer in any art form, I think, you know, the good ones have the ability to turn it on and turn it off when they need to.
3: Well, one thing, Lefty can turn it on. Let me tell you, he's fantastic. First thing you want to do is go on YouTube, look him up. He's got some great stuff. And then you want to see him when you come out to Vegas. So let's tell him again uh, where you're going to be. You're going to be at uh, one of my favorite places. I, I'm a big fan of Alexis Park. I think it's a great place. Friday, Saturday, and Sundays at 11 o'clock. That's a, and that's a kind of a fun place, isn't it?
4: Absolutely, and there's a bunch of great shows over there, everything ranging from a Motown tribute show to a Prince tribute show and a burlesque show, and then four days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on the guest star in Murray the Magician Show inside the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Hotel and Casino, and right now that show's at 4 p.m.
3: And if people want to follow you, where do we go online to uh, keep track of what you're doing?
4: Uh, if you go to Lefty Magic. You can follow me there. And if you go on social media, you can find me all over social media.
3: Lefty, thank you so much. We can't wait to see you. Terrific. Thank you so much. Think you'd make a great wrestler? Well, one way to find out is to ask our next guest. Ever since television started, wrestling has been huge. And, of course, the big stars are why people tune in and so forth. But where do those stars come from? Well, we got to answer a guy who's responsible for developing those future stars. His name is Joe DeFalco. He's the owner of Future Stars of Wrestling, the number one promotion in the Western USA. And it's located right here in Las Vegas. Well, Joe, first of all, there is a place where you have to start. If you want to get into this and you want to be a wrestler, you can have all the... Uh, the physical traits and the personality, but you got to learn, right?
1: You got to learn. And, you know, we're fortunate enough here in Vegas that, uh, you know, it seems to be a hotbed for, you know, retired wrestlers or current wrestlers that have, uh, you know, accomplished a lot in the business. And, you know, they're out here and we can utilize their skills to to teach the, uh, you know, I guess you could say the, the new the new, the new breed, I guess, of uh, the young, young up-and-coming superstars that we hope, you know, develop.
3: And what do you look for? Obviously, you look for some uh, specimens that are in good shape. It's not like the old days where you could kind of go really out of shape and so forth. You guys have to be in great shape, but they got to have personality that the crowd's like,
1: too. You know, unfortunately, that's what the biggest misconception is when, when a new student uh, looks to come in, that you know, maybe they focus more on their body or their wrestling, and all of that is fantastic. But the just as equally important is having a character, having the gimmick, having a personality, and, you know, we also try to work with that, like, with promo classes. Because, you know, unfortunately, you're not born with personality. You either have it or you don't. You know, so, you know, when we're with younger guys, we try to accentuate you know all their strengths and try to hide their weaknesses and you know try to see what they're capable of. So we kind of have a hands-on, you know, when it comes to getting guys on shows and what we're looking for and what we expect from them. Do some of
3: these guys come to you with great ideas or is that something that they think they got a great idea and then you got to kind of work with them for a while to to get that narrowed down and maybe changed a little?
1: Yeah, it, it it's more that they think they have great ideas because what happens is When somebody's 10, 12, 14 years old and they're watching The Rock or John Cena, they're, you know, watching that and saying, oh, I want to be a wrestler. And over time, they come up with their ideas of what they're going to do when they become a wrestler. And a lot of times, unfortunately, when they get to that point, they realize... How dumb the idea is, or you know that's a horrible gimmick. You know what I mean. And we try to work with people. We we generally give most people the the ability to do what they're they're looking to do. You know, my job is more to to, to help tweak it and make it better because everybody who's really made it in the business is kind of an extension of themselves. It's very rare that you see, especially nowadays, these, these crazed. Out of control savage gimmicks or, or whatever they can 't speak English you know there 's a lot more realism presented in professional wrestling these days
3: well, the athletic skills are apparent I mean these guys are great athletes, but you got to spend some time doing like those interviews I remember watching wrestling as a kid and that, that was one of the favorite parts was the interviews and so forth and it is entertainment, and, and I think people have to realize when they get into it. It's not just sports; it's definitely sports, but it's also entertainment.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, when we have trainees or guys that are looking to finally get on shows, a lot of them all know the same moves. You know that there's only so many different things you can do inside a wrestling ring, and now it's the way you present it. it, it it's putting that pizzazz to it. You know, the most important thing is to get a reaction from the fans, and that's the most important thing. You know, I've seen the best wrestlers, you know, if you look back in the day, The Rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, they weren't the best wrestlers. They were the most entertaining wrestlers, and the best wrestlers, yeah, there's absolutely a spot for them. But a good wrestler who has a phenomenal, you know, vocabulary and able to cut a great promo like The Rock is a megastar compared to one of the guys who, you know, who'll give you a good effort. You know, you want him on your show, but he's not going to, he's not going to sell the tickets. The guy who's going to sell the tickets is, is The Rock is Hulk Hogan. Bigger than life characters. So, despite the fact that nowadays you can get guys that are five foot five, five foot six, 150 pounds, back in the day they they weren't really you know utilized very much, especially in the major leagues of professional wrestling like the WWE.
3: More with Joe DeFalco, the owner and operator of Future Stars of Wrestling, in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network.
2: your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorns Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now.
0: Call 800-923-8625. That's 800-923-8625. 800-923-8625.
2: But Man, I had a rough night's sleep. Boy, I got a letter from the IRS yesterday and I I just couldn't sleep. Man, I'm dying here. Somebody help me. IRS problems affect more than just your finances. If you're ready to take back control of your life and you owe more than $10,000, you need to call the tax doctor. Their expert staff can immediately protect you from the IRS and state collectors and get you the best possible tax settlement guaranteed. The IRS has recently released new programs geared in helping struggling taxpayers where you may qualify to settle your tax debt and wipe out up to 85% or more of what you currently owe. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor right now. See if you qualify to pay less.
0: Call 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983. Again, 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983.
2: Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Maggi.
3: Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. You are listening to wrestling promoter and the owner of the future stars of wrestling, Joe DeFalco. So let's talk about what somebody can do. They hear this and they go, Wow, I'm, I know I'm good. This guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So what's the process? You come to Las Vegas or, or you know, how does it go? I know you, you have a, uh, an arena where you do your own training and so forth, the training academy. Give us the steps on how that works.
1: Okay, well, generally, you know, we, we run shows, you know, two, three times a month, obviously, before the pandemic. Uh, we ran them uh, mainly at Sam's Town Casino. We also ran some at Silverton. Uh, we also did some at the Casablanca in Mesquite. Now, those are shows that, you know, those are the super shows. Those are what you would consider the pay-per-view. Like, if you watch, if you watch WWF and your wrestling fan, you know there's Raw. Monday Night Raw is the big TV show that builds up to the pay-per-view. So we run our shows also out of our training facility we call the FSW Arena. We've really done it up to make it like a mini-TV studio. Uh, generally, we can fit 150 to 200 people in there. And that sets up everything as we gear toward running the very big shows uh, You know, every, like I said, six to eight weeks. So a new student will come in, hopefully, whether he sees a show, you know, we... we we used to be on TV a lot over in the CW and my LV TV, but the way the internet is and social media and stuff, it's just too costly to run your own TV show at one in the morning when people would just watch it, you know, on YouTube. So we took a step from back, but because of the social media presence, we can go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and put out ads and let people know that, hey, there's a top-notch training facility in Las Vegas. So people come in, they'll sign up, and, and, you know, we want people that want to be there. Back in the old days, it'd be like, oh, okay, it's $4,000, you need to pay it up front. If you don't pay it up front, well, here's here's the information for the credit agency, and we would get our money whether you lasted there a month or two. And... The way we work things are we want people to be there that want to be there. So, in turn, you pay a monthly fee. You get there. We got beginner classes like three days a week. And our trainers are Kenny King, who's a main star with Ring of Honor for many years. Uh, you know, also an actor that he was in, you know, uh, The Bachelorette and did a lot of things. Tim Sin Bode, who worked for WWE, and he worked for Impact. And Sean Devari and TJ Perkins. And just guys who have a really a good name in the wrestling business. And, you know, we try to gear them and get them ready. You know, we run three different types of shows. We run the casino shows where we bring in outside talent and we mix that in with our guys. And then we have some of the school shows. But then we also do a show called Future Shock. And Future Shock features the young, young guys that are nowhere near ready for, say, a casino show. But they get their, you know, they get to dip the foot in the pool because, you know, the main thing is getting experience. The only way you get better is more matches. Nobody was better on their first match than their 100th match. But how do you get a match if you're not good enough to be on the big show? So right. it's weird to where we're also, being that with the school, we're also a built-in promotion, which is even better for a prospective student. If they go to some other wrestling school... You know, they're going to be one of, you know, thousands of guys from different wrestling schools who are now trying to contact a promoter about getting booked on a show. Well, what makes you different than anybody else? You know, I'm not looking for a guy who has his first or second match. I'm looking for experienced guys because I have my own guys that are looking for the first or second match. So that's what makes our school and our promotion and everything we do, you know, puts us ahead of... The majority of other, you know, schools yeah. and companies in the United States.
3: Well, as I kind of delved into what you were doing, I was like, this isn't fantasy camp. People might think it's a fantasy camp. This is for real. And it, it, if you're not serious, it's not going to work because you're developing pros. I mean, it, it's like watching a top minor league or something where people are trying to get better and so forth and they're learning their craft. So I it, it seems like the opportunity to have those matches and to get attention is has got to be helpful because people can kind of, even in those earliest matches, maybe you see a little hint of something, you kind of say, I'm going to follow this guy.
1: Well, first of all, I'm going to mention, we do have a fantasy camp for people that just want to delve into it, and it's like a three-day super show class where at the end of the day, end of the three days, you get a wrestling match. We also have a kids class, and probably six to eight of our kids who started, we have a kid who starts at five, six years old. Uh, we have one kid, uh, Bodie, uh, Bodhi's 13 now. He's been doing it for five years, and he's actually wrestled a handful of matches on our regular shows. Now, going back to the, the saying a, basically like a triple-A team, absolutely. I just, I just finished watching. There was WrestleMania this weekend, and obviously that's the biggest you know, wrestling show of the year. Well, they have their secondary company called NXT, and NXT just finished up their second night. And one of our students that we trained from scratch, Karrion cross, uh, once again became the NXT heavyweight champion. Here was a guy who was 28, 29 years old, loved wrestling, but was doing the judo and the, uh, you know, mixed martial arts, and said, you know, I find myself all the time, you know, coming home and watching Japanese wrestling or, or just different stuff that I think I should give this a try before I get too old. And within, you know, four or five years, He's one of the main champions on WWE program.
3: Well, Joe, Future Stars of Wrestling is a really cool site. we got to tell people where they can go because you go on there, you can see some really interesting things, and it, it's an all-encompassing site. If there's something you're thinking about, probably want to go there first.
1: Well, we have the website, which is FSW Vegas, but we've delved into something way bigger that most independent promotions don't have. We have, similar to the WWE, we have our own FSW network. And on the FSW network, you're going to see thousands and thousands of hours of content, our big shows. You're going to see a guy like and Cross when he first started and gotten to wrestle some of the ex-WWE superstars or current wrestling superstars like Matt Hardy and Chris Masters, and then we have Chris Bay, who trained with us, moved from Virginia, heard about FSW, he came in, and now he is one of the big superstars of Impact Wrestling, which is, you know, one of the top three companies in the United States, and our women's champion that we just had up until January, Lacey Ryan, now she's Zoe Stark, and she was on NXT this past week, and and she won a big match, so the people that have come out of our school, you, the ones that we saw that have made it are ones that you know you've seen put in the work. You know, a lot of people want to be wrestlers, and it's like, oh, I can't make it today. I got I to gotta work, and I got to do this. And it's like, well, if your dream's to be a professional wrestler, well, then you need to figure out a schedule so you can get in there because repetition is what's going to get you to the point you need to be. If you show up twice a week or five times a month, while these other guys, the Crosses and the Bays and 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 Lacy's, they were showing up six seven days a week, busting their ass to you know because th- their ultimate goal was to be you know WWE superstars and make a living in wrestling, you know, not working and having to drive to California for twenty bucks or forty bucks or sixty bucks. Right. You know
3: <laughs> exactly, Joe. How long have you been in the world of wrestling? Have you been doing this a long time?
1: Uh. We actually missed out on our 11th year anniversary, which was in the end of May, early June. So this is going on 12 years. Well, if you want to get into
3: wrestling, go first class, and that's through the future stars of wrestling. Joe, last thing, how do people get a hold of it? They've heard this and say, hey, I want to do it. This guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. How do they do it? Where do they send their information?
1: Uh, well, our website goes directly to me, LV Future Stars, which is pretty simple. It's Las Vegas, LV Future Stars at yahoo dot com. Uh, you can also get access to us at FSWVegas.com. dot com. It's our website, which also will give you information about the training and upcoming shows and you know things like that. And also check out the network. We're on Instagram. Facebook is where I do a lot of my business. You know, go to Future Stars of Wrestling on Facebook and. It'll be very easy to get in touch with me.
3: We'll do it. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Steven Nagy, reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go!
0: travel it's that easy so call now and start packing call right now 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 that's
4: 800-267-1806